0: Thanks Scott. Good morning everybody. Hey welcome to the vineyard this morning. It's good to be together. This morning um, if you've got your Bible with you you might want to open it up to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, I've been enjoying uh, Paul's letter to this um, particular church for a little while now and uh, but this morning I want to touch on uh, well actually I just want to really crack it open a little bit and we'll, uh, we'll venture into this conversation over the next couple of weeks, but I want to crack it open this morning, just this whole idea of belonging and how Jesus comes to deal with the powers of estrangement and, uh, and alienation, how Jesus wants to come and deal with those powers and how he actually goes about doing that, and then how we get to join in with Jesus in in seeing people find their place, their belonging, their sense of where I belong. But before we get too far into that this morning, I want to say, hey, thanks, Neil. Uh, Neil MacArthur last Sunday gave a great message on um, uh, Jesus and the temple is doomed. <laughs> it was a great. If you haven't gone on YouTube yet and seen it or you are away, I really want to encourage you to jump onto it. And have a, have a watch and a listen back. It was a great bit of teaching. And, um, and I loved the opening video clip that he used of Weird Al Yankovic pretending to be Indiana Jones. That was the best. That was the best, mate. I was just splitting my side watching that. That was great. So if you want to get a, a really good teaching on something is greater than the law that is present now in the person of Jesus. Get on and have a listen to that, that bit of teaching. It was absolutely fantastic. Can't encourage you enough. So this morning, we want to uh, begin this little conversation about belonging, belonging to the King, belonging to his kingdom, belonging to his kingdom people, and our place in the world. Um, <clears throat> Often there's this little saying about it's not what you know, it's who you know, that often will fast track you into places and spaces and opportunities and if if you jump onto the next um, slide for us, thanks Stephen, Um, on the next slide there's uh, a number of years ago I was travelling and I was overseas and I was attending this rather large event uh, conference and I knew... I, I, I knew the people that were doing all the, you know, the teachy speaking stuff up the front. Uh, but my joy was just to be able to be there as, you know, as, as, as one of everyone else and, and, and just enjoy what it was that God was up to. Anyway, there was this dinner event that was on and um, I, um, I didn't even have a ticket to go until the last minute. To, someone said, I've got a spare. You can come, come with me. And so this was just someone that I'd met at this conference on the way, and I said, oh, that'd be great. Thank you for that. And So I go into, uh, into this dinner event, and um, as I'm walking in, I, l- I like know nobody in this event. The guy, one of the guys who is the, you know, the main speaker things, he sees me walk in, and he says, hey, because the people were at the door kind of qualifying how am I here and how do I get in. And the guy at the front, he, he yells at the people at the door. He says, hey, I know that guy. He's with me. Let him in. And, and, then, and then he didn't. And so I'm starting to look for this little table that I'm meant to be sitting at. And then he says, no, 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 you come and sit up here with me. And then he and then, But the table was full. And he says, make room for him. And so, anyway, I just all of a sudden, awkwardly, and very embarrassingly, got ushered into this um, dinner experience and a place of incredible—you um, would only say it was favour, you know. It was this—it was a moment that I hadn't planned or orchestrated, but somehow um, I got sucked up into it. Today, I want to begin a little conversation about how Paul, in this letter to his, to this little church in in Colossae, that, he was, um, that this, um, his good mate Epaphras was planting and starting in a pretty hostile context and environment, and I'll unpack that in a minute. But as Paul was writing to them, he was really wanting to let them know, hey, guys, it's not about what you know. It's not about all the law and what you know. It's about who knows you. It's about who knows you. It's all about how Jesus knows you and he's calling you up into what he's doing in, in and through and for your well-being and for the hope of the world. So this morning we're going to begin that little little journey, that little conversation about the fact that God is inviting you from you awkwardly walking into a relationship kind of near him and with him and he's going to call you out from the front of the dining room <laughs> and he's going to say, Oi, I know you. Come up here and sit with me. And he's going to say to the circumstances around your life, move aside, make room for them. I want to let you know God's up to something in all of that. Have you got your Bible there? Colossians chapter 1. If you haven't got it there, I, I, it, it'll, it will be on the screen. But before we get there, just drop back one Here's the sitch. Here's, here's what it's going on in real time for Paul and in in Epaphras as he's trying to plant this little church in, uh, in Colossae. And so there's this stuff that was kind of creeping into the church, into this community of Jesus' people. There's this stuff that was trying to um, influence and have say about the shape and the message and the ministry of what the kingdom of God looks like through Jesus' people. And so Paul's writing to them to say, hey, listen, guys, let's root this stuff out before it even gets a chance to flourish. Let's like cut this stuff off, let's root it out, and let's get rid of it before it ever gets a chance to become anything more. And so and he puts some words to it. And so these these are some of the things that are going on in the background that Paul's trying to deal with. The first one is behavior management. Behavior management. So if, if, if you haven't seen that little video clip of Neil's about Weird Al Yankovic, you've got to watch it because, you know, in, in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, that big boulder that's chasing Indiana, it's supposed to destroy the cave or the temple, but Weird Al Yankovic is it's like, it doesn't matter where he's running, this boulder's chasing him through Paris, this boulder's chasing him through wherever he goes. In other words, that thing, that thing called the law it will chase you down relentlessly and chase you and chase you and chase you until it kills you. That's what it'll do. And Paul, and so there's a whole bunch of these new Jesus people, and they're still thinking we've got to behave right to get the goodness of God in our life and flowing through our life and to be right with God and right with people. We've got to behave right. Well, that's just that big boulder that Neil was talking about last week. That's that relentless thing of the law saying, behave right and then God will love you right. And and uh, Paul's saying, we've got to get rid of that. That's not how you get saved. There is one greater than him who's here, as, as Neil was teaching last week. There's a, there's a different platform of salvation now. And so, it, it, you know, behaviour management, if, if you're going to live there, it's all about legal behaviors and making sure you'd tick the boxes with regards to how you look and what you wear and how you stand and how you sit and what you eat and when you don't eat it and all of these things that Paul's saying that doesn't save you anymore that stuff is that's not going to save you and and but it was creeping into the church and and it was at the same time he was it it it, it not only legalism, when you start to lean into it, he says it becomes this form of ritualistic living. There's no relationship in it. It's just ritualism. It's this form of behaviour, but there's no life in it. And Paul's saying, hey, we've got to cut this behaviour management thing out real quick because that is not the basis on which we have been founded as the people of Jesus. There's something better and bigger and more life-giving than behaviour management. So he's dealing with behaviour management. He's dealing with this other big thing called Gnosticism. That manifests in different ways, in different cultures and different ages. But in their context, their context was Gnosticism. Basically, the word means knowledge. In the English, it means knowledge. It means you know something. Gnosis, Gnostic. And um, But basically, there's a group of people running around in the church saying, Hey, listen. You've all heard these other bits of revelation, but listen, I've got the latest and the greatest. So just give all your time, your attention, and your money. Give it to me, and I'll be the super apostle, and I'll run around being a super apostle. And if you give it to me, Paul's like, we've got to cut that thing off at the knees, man. We've got to root that out of the body of Jesus, and it's the same today. There is no special revelation outside of the fullness of God's revelation to us in the person of Jesus. And we're going to read that in a minute in Colossians chapter 1. So Paul's saying we've got to root that thing out. And, um, um, you know, the other thing is that um, this Gnosticism is, is, is really about, Paul saying, um, the way that it manifests is it shows itself by, and it's very powerful is it wants to build in into us an anxiety that says unless i've got the latest and greatest special revelation then i am on unsure footing with god with myself and with others and therefore in my anxious state what gnosticism does is it tells you you can no longer trust Anything outside of yourself and the only voice you can listen to for any form of confidence or trust is your own. And so dig deep within and listen to that special voice of yourself who will tell you who you really are. Now if you want to root that thing out philosophically, you can go way, way back into the 1700s. Descartes was there, I think therefore I am that's the very thing that Paul's like hey we got to get rid of that no 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 there's a there's there's a better truth here there's a more powerful truth here and he says we have got to root that thing out because um, because Gnosticism says I think therefore I am I listen to who I am in here I feel that this is who I am so therefore I am And I will not listen to, I will not pay attention to, I will not take the the voice of anything or anyone else that doesn't agree with who I say that I am. Now, the good news is Jesus comes along and stands in front of us, doesn't he, as the son of God. And he says, let me show you who you really are as God's wonderful creation, not the master of your own destiny. So he's, he's, he's dealing with that, and he's also dealing with this last little bit, a God versus the God. So what he's dealing with here is that there's all these Jesus people, a bunch of them have come out of a Jewish contexts, and also just like pagan living, totally pagan living. They're used to just um, as, ascribing time, energy, and money to the gods of the context, and especially to Caesar because he is God in their context. He, he claims himself as the Lord, which is interesting because Jesus takes that term on for himself. I am the Lord. And so um, he's like, there's all these people that's going, okay, we'll take a bit of Caesar. We'll take a bit of, you know, animism. We'll take a bit of pagan practice. We'll take a bit of like, let's get ourselves into ecstatic states and cut ourselves and jump up and down before God and hopefully he'll pay attention to us. We'll take a bit of that and we'll take a bit of Jesus as well. So it's Jesus plus is really what Paul's going after. He's like, hang on guys. And then he writes this beautiful piece of scripture. It's not, it's Jesus isn't just another God. He talks about how Jesus is the supreme revelation of God. And all the fullness of God is in Jesus. So that's the backstory. Got the backstory? All right, let's go. Colossians chapter one, it'll be on the screen for you if, you've got, if you haven't got your Bible. I'm gonna read a big chunk. Love reading big chunks of Scripture. All right? Who loves reading big chunks of Scripture? All right, let's pray. Lord, give us a love for reading big chunks of Scripture. So we get the whole story. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Now, Paul's in prison, okay? He's writing this from prison. He's not writing it from, you know, sipping pina coladas on a nice island. He's, 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 in, he's in the digs. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and it's truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister uh, of Jesus on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Holy Spirit. For this reason, the day since we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives so that you can live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have a great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn above all creation. For in him all things were created, For God was pleased. Hey, if you if you're reading a Bible, like highlight this verse. Highlight this verse. For God was pleased to have all of His fullness dwelling in Jesus, and through Jesus to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Wow, underline that one. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. And I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that's been kept hidden for the ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which Christ is in which is Christ in you the hope of glory. He Jesus is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy of Christ so powerfully at work in me. Man, I could sit under that all day. That is like a waterfall on a hot day to the soul. But let's have a quick look here at what God, what has all of this got to do with this idea of belonging. Well, let's firstly, on the next slide, one of the key things that Paul says through Jesus, God is really busy about, is dealing with the sense of alienation and estrangement that most people walk around with most of the time. Paul identifies that it's actually our behaviour, and especially for those in the church who who fall foul of this idea of behaviour management, it's often our behaviour that actually alienates us from God, even in our pursuit of God. It's our behaviour management that we think, if I can just improve this, if I could just get better at that, if I could just think more good thoughts, if I could just you know, not be as, as angry, or if I could just be more generous. If I, it's, it's that behavior management, like a mouse on a wheel cycle, that actually prevents us from coming into the fullness of God. It leaves us estranged. It leaves us developing this sense of, it, I'm kind of present but shut out. I can see and t- almost touch and taste, but I feel distant and aloof. And it's this idea of behaviour that produces estrangement. Paul says, he says, once upon a time, we lived like that. He's, he's talking past tense now. He's reminding them in this moment. He's saying, you used to be like this. You used to be caught up on that little mouse wheel of behaviour. Because... Um, It shuts you out of fellowship with God, it shuts you out of fellowship with each other and it shuts us out of intimacy with others. But basically the front line of alienation, Paul says it, he says once you are alienated in your thinking, in your headspace, because of your behaviour, what we do informs what we think even as much as in the reverse direction. What we think informs what we do. But Paul here is saying there's a key to the freedom. There is a key to coming out of alienated living. There is a key to increased intimacy. There is a key, and it is not behaviour. Why would we just jump on the the treadmill of further behaviour management In and getting stuck in that endless, relentless cycle of um, self-improvement and uh, so forth in the hope that we would get a different outcome. No, Paul is saying that is not the key. The key here is Jesus. He says, Once you were alienated in your minds because of your evil behaviour. There's a number of us here in this room, even today, we feel like there's this sense of close but not quite close enough in our relationship with God. And most often, the battleground for that will be right here. The battleground of that estrangement is right here in our thinking. Because we haven't surrendered, yielded, given over to, welcomed the one who is saying, hey, I know you. Come to me, and enjoy my favor and love for your life. Estrangement. How often do we flick back into that behavior cycle? I, I think um, if I could just pause for a minute and just touch on the um, touch on the issue of mental health and mind mind games. Now. Paul here is talking past tense, and in a minute he'll talk, and I'll touch on this, he talks about present tense, but between the past and the present is a journey to be taken. It's not the flick of a switch, it's not the flip of a coin, it is a walk that needs to be walked in growing intimacy with God. So for example, let me share with you, I've got a number of friends who are battling with regards to their mental well-being and their health. And I'm sure many of you in your workplaces and families are, are, are walking this out with people every day. And I, I mean, since, since the pandemic years, that, that has just like the uptick in terms of mental health and awareness of, of people's actual fragile frame of mind has massively come onto the radar. And we, we need to acknowledge that. But I want to say here, often we, will read, we read the scriptures with this sense of a flick of a switch or a magic bullet, or a golden tablet, or something that will move us from A to B. Now, in the kindness of God, there are these divine moments where the power of God's love will come, and that's why we pray the prayer that Jesus asked us to pray. Lord, your rule and reign, let it come right now into the earth, even as it, as it is where you rule and reign in the heavens, where there is no more sickness or disease or brokenness and physical pain. We want to see that kingdom come. We want to see that rule and reign influence and shape our life and our mental health and well-being. And that, that is our prayer. And that's what Jesus taught us to pray. The reality of walking out that prayer, the reality of walking out that prayer, though, for many, it is not a magic moment. It is a walk that needs to be walked on a daily basis from once you were... And into now you are. You've got to have a lot of grace for each other. Have a lot of grace for each other. If the one thing our world needs to know is that we, the people of Jesus, we're the ones who are willing to stand with people in their alienation and their estrangement, in their brokenness and their mental anxiety... And we will stand with them and we will welcome the king and his kingdom and we will walk with them from where they once were into what they now are in Jesus. We are the ones who will do the journey. We are the ones who will do the journey. You know, there was no greater privilege yesterday than to be seen on the, dressed up in my best flip-flops and T-shirt and hat. And, you know old running shorts yesterday, to stand on that field with three or four hundred other people. They have no clue who I am, but I know who I am because who Jesus tells me I am. And to stand with our region in their grief, to grieve with those who are grieving and to say, you know, I'm saying to Jesus and I'm saying to the people, we're going to walk this out together. We're going to walk from once we were to now in Jesus. And it means we will stand in the hard places with people. May the Holy Spirit give us grace to stand with people who feel estranged in their mind, estranged in their broken thinking, estranged in their inability to mentally grasp a better picture, an, another hope, a, a, and, and at the same time, a physiological capacity to find health. We will stand... With them, We will walk with them. We will love them. And we will say they are always welcome. Always. We're not after perfection. We're after Jesus together. Paul says, once we were like, next one, if I could jump on. But then he says, but now, in verse 22, he says, but now, he says, there's a different reality. But now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Paul tells us how God lovingly, powerfully and personally overcomes the powers and the pathways of alienation and estrangement by his loving action by his life, his ministry, his, his, his message, his death, his resurrection, and the inbreaking of his kingdom. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Now, one of the things that um, um, being reconciled means, it means coming back to that original um, state. The idea Paul's thinking back on is what does it look like to be a human being when God first made human beings? And to do that, you've got to go way back to the start of the book, which is true humanity. What does it look like? And then, it, you know, as male and female and how that works for the good of creation and how that works for the health of society. And then he's also saying that all of that now takes on absolute supremacy in the person of Jesus of what a human being looks like fully alive fully reconciled to God and when we reconcile to God you we realize we're acceptable in his sight without blemish now (laughs) I look up I get in you know last weekend was just absolutely off the charts amazing fun and beautiful to be a part of, to see our kids get married and be a part of all of the celebrations of that, but every, you know, all these, all these people I would meet along the way, they'd give me a kiss on the cheek, and as they give me a kiss on the cheek, they'd all, they'd all then do one of these, you know, they'd give me a kiss, and then they're thinking they'd left lipstick on my cheek, and I had to say to every single one of them, it's not your lipstick, it's a sunspot, and it doesn't lift off when you do that, <laughs> you know. There's this blemish here. Doesn't matter how much you try and get that thing off; it ain't coming off. It's a blemish. But when God looks at us, He sees the greater reality of who we are, and it's like the blemish, the picture of ourselves that we understand ourselves to be. It's 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 overwhelmed. By his love and his grace toward us so much so that when we look at each other we don't see the blemishes you know it was kind of reflecting into last weekend as well you know right when the wedding was happened you know creation decided it was a great time to have a rain bomb right over the event which was for you know the parents and all of that we're all just like oh god is this even going to happen how how are we going to help get everyone there and Anyway, but Jacob and Caitlin, I'm going to talk about them because they're not here. Jake and Caitlin, they just had eyes for each other. Oh my gosh, they were so caught up in each other on the day. It, I don't know, the rain? What rain? They were so overwhelmed and caught up in each other that the, that the surrounding context just fell away. This is, what, this is what the power of the love of God does in our lives. He comes along, he says, hey, I know you. You come up here with me. You come sit with me. Hey, make room. Make room. Another one of my family belongs here. Another one of these people belong here. Make room for them. So much so that it doesn't matter what's going on and all of the surrounding thing and all of the powers that are at work, it all just fades away because of the power of this loving invitation of God that says, I know you, come on up here, come with me. Paul's emphasising that to have this sense of belonging, this freedom from alienation, this joy of living in the kingdom and relationship with Jesus and with, with God the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit, it's all because of Jesus. So my question to us this morning is in light of this truth, If this truly is real, I mean if this is, if Paul is right on and if this is inspired stuff that's been written by the influencing power of God's very spirit that wanted to somehow give this man some words that would catch the true essence of the revelation of God. If this is truly true, do I know and do I live in the reality that I am holy in God's sight? Am I living from this place? If this is really, do I realize that when God sees me he, and has relationship with me, he sees me without blemish. Now, Carl and M, they got, you know, beautiful new little child, and, and uh, Kiara, and you know, for those of you who have had kids, it's like, when you have a brand new little child, it's like, you are the most amazing thing, there's nothing more perfect and beautiful than you. And then they grow up, <laughs> and you know, that bedroom, surely... Surely you could do something about that, you know? (laughs) Surely, they grow up. But it's like without blemish, there's this sense of perfection and yet there's this fragile reality that says there's, there's, there's also this brokenness that's there at the same time. But Paul is saying, hey, you are without blemish when God looks at you. You're like a newborn child. And the other thing Paul says is, and he wants to ask us today, is he says this, are you really free from the accusations that fill the air and fill your mind all the time? I couldn't possibly do that. You know, it's just all these, not even, I mean, there's both voices, and powers and spiritual works of, and words of the enemy that come to, see, to rob and kill and destroy. John tells us that. That's the nature of the enemy of God, the Satan. The nature of the Satan is, is John tells us in one John, I think it's one John, he is a father of lies. So every time we lean towards the generosity of being reconciled by God and seeing that who we truly are, there will come a voice that says, no, you're not. Who are you kidding? You know who you really are. The voice of the accuser. Even when you stand, you, you know, it's like as you understand yourself emotionally, as you understand yourself physiologically, as you understand yourself relationally to others, In all of these things, God is bringing us, Paul talks in Romans about, alive into the image of Jesus. Paul even uses here that that, that other language, the hope of Christ in you. God's bringing us into this new reality. And yet there's this constant accusation that says, don't believe it, don't go with it, it's all false. To the degree that we can affirm the realities that I am holy because of Jesus. I am free from blemish because of Jesus and so are you because of Jesus. To the degree that we can live and lean into that and abandon ourselves to this reconciling love of God is the degree to which we find true freedom. Belonging is all about Jesus and our willingness to trust in his love to shape to author and define and then empower every aspect of our daily life and identity. Belonging is all about Jesus and our willingness to trust in his love, to define and then empower our relationship with others, our connectedness to each other, our connectedness to God's purposes in the earth. Once you were like, now you have been reconciled. God's inviting all of us again today. Take the journey. Take the journey. Last one. Thanks, Steve. There's this little verse there. I think it's verse 19. I want to go back to that one that we, we're going to finish with this. Verse 19. It says here, because well, one of the other thing, big things we have to get through somehow is um, in a moment, moments like that, we hear, we hear this invitation from God and his love towards us to say, come with me into a new space of life and health and fruitfulness and flourishing in who you are and my purposes for your life. We hear that. And with that, as we read the scriptures, they are alive. They really are alive. And they start to want to draw us into that truth. And then along the way, we have to bring ourselves to that as well. We need to bring our, our agreement to that as well. And the, one of the first things we need to somehow ask for the help of God on is to realize that you and I are not a problem that God has had to fix You're not a problem that he had to fix. You're a child he loves to rescue. Hear that. You're not a problem that God has had to fix. You're a child of his creation that he loves to rescue. Very big difference. One is of a God of love. The other is of that relentless law. So this morning as we finish with this, hear this from the heart of God. For God was pleased, like God was pleased to have all of who he is dwelling in Jesus and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things by his blood shed on a cross you're not a problem the people that we're living with every day all those hundreds of people like that were on the oval yesterday they're not a problem to god they're his children that he's longing to rescue this morning god is inviting us into his good pleasure his good pleasure No one put a gulp in your throat, didn't it? No one put a gulp in your throat. His good pleasure. Holy in His sight, without blemish. Why don't we pray together? Let's stand and pray. Heavenly Father... We thank you for the Bible and we thank you that um, by the power of your spirit, you inspired Paul while he was in prison to write these words that express your profound love for us. And as, as we've opened the scriptures today, Lord, it's touching us on many levels. But Lord, we're praying that you would break the powers of Gnostic thinking and practices in the name of Jesus. We're We're also a little bit humbled in this moment, Lord, and we're saying, would you forgive us where we've made you, Jesus, just another God rather than the supreme revelation, the full revelation of God, where we've kind of looked to you in the moments where it'd be good if I could get you to help me in this moment, but then ignore you in other moments. Lord, would you forgive us for that? And would you break us free by the power of this loving invitation that, hey, I know you. Would you break us free from all of the behaviour management that we've put in place in our life so that we could truly be free? we could be the children of God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you break the powers of estrangement and alienation, and you set us free as we just take one more step towards you. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, this morning, I particularly want to pray for... um,